when they pulled the nose section out, they removed the guns and they fired them on the glacier with the ammunition that was still in the plane. Nice. Wow. Wow. Still good. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they shot a 50 gallon drum or 55. Uh, gallon drum. <laughs> I was gonna say, is, there, is there one less polar bear in the world? Welcome to the RC Roundtable Podcast, where we discuss the latest RC hobby news, events, model reviews, and a whole lot more. Howdy, gentlemen. Cry <laughs> havoc and let loose episode 190 of the RC Roundtable. To be or not, not to be. be. That. It's another question for another day. Star Trek. Sorry, Terry. Fitz is back. <laughs> Christopher Plummer. Yes. The most awesome like, thing on. He didn't sing that? Didn't sing some it? No. Sound of Music mix? Oh, yeah. The, don't. You, thou shalt not mention the singing Klingon episode. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> there was a musical Star Trek episode? That is. You did, yes, there was. You didn't know that? No, I'm I'm out of the loop with Star Trek. Things. Yes, Star Trek, the newer one. The uh, newer one, so world. forget. Yeah, let's not. Yeah. It, no. Yeah, there was a time yeah. where it seemed like every show was doing a musical episode. Some were good. A Star Trek mm-hmm. episode that should not be named. Yeah. All yes. Right. <laughs> we should not discuss that. <laughs> let's discuss things okay. like model airplanes before I start yeah, let's chewing go back. nails. Yeah, thank you. People are going, they told me this podcast was about model aircraft and stuff. When they're talking about <laughs> Star Trek and musicals. <laughs> well, clearly Fitz is back to his old self again. Yes, he's awake. His head's uh, not mostly. tilted back. And <laughs> yeah, I was a little bit under the weather last time. Yeah, all right. Glad to have you back. Glad to be back, mostly. And related to that, Lee has a shirt, and guess what? I have a shirt too. <laughs> well, you got one too now. <laughs> Can you read what his says? Says, I'm with Fitz. Oh yeah. So I thank would. you, Lee. I wear it with pride. You're welcome. And George a- Wilson, who won the shirt before, I waited because I wanted to make a new shirt for him. So I shipped those both at the same time. So hopefully George Wilson has another one that says, I know Fitz Walker. And we'll, maybe you'll see him at the swap meet wearing it. A oh, dubious right. honor. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which we'll talk about later. We will be talking about it, yeah. Well. So uh, Fitz has uh, got the gamut of topics. We have a lot for you, though today so if you guys are driving you got a long distance here you go here's your listening pleasure so this could be a contest like who has the biggest bladder so you can't exit (laughs) until the show's over (laughs) like i said (laughs) on one of my my previous videos i had a long video that says grab a gallon of coffee because we're running into the long (laughs) run all right we'll get us going we want to talk about first well hey there's a new item product Air, airplane just popped just dropped from uh from the folks at uh e-flight i guess it's on the e-flight brand right hours ago. yeah e-flight yeah just hours hours ago yeah. we still test this the new html smell it is so new <laughs> <laughs> don't know if we're using uh, html anymore but yes okay a, a new timber now I'll admit i had read the uh release really quick so i saw i saw timber two meters uh zifo and wood so i think and i didn't see the wood part i just saw that 
So I said, oh, a new a foamy timber, just a big one. Oh, gotcha. Sorry. I and kinda... it wasn't until I got... To, <laughs> yeah, and until I got the Lee said, you know, something about wood. It's like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about, Willis? <laughs> I look it up, I'm like, oh. <laughs> so it is not only a new timber, it's not only a new big timber, biggest I've seen so far, right? Yeah. It, it's um it's the traditional go. balsa wood and and uh uh heat shrink covering timber. So this is for those who like who want to uh, an old traditional wooden balsa and plywood. Covered when you want to hear it crack when you hit the tree, <laughs> <laughs> when you need yeah. that cracking sound, yes, you need that cracking, splintering sound when you whack something, <laughs> Sparky. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, too soon. <laughs> Sorry, in joke. We love you, Sparky. But <laughs> Sorry, Sparks. <laughs> um, you, you have it. It's got some looks like offset hinge flaps too. Is that right? Yeah, fowler yeah, flaps. Yeah. So interesting enough, I was had poking around. So it, it's not only an ARF, it is an ARF, of course. It looks like they've pre-installed the servos and motor and speed controller if you get that particular version. Yeah, so I was it, surprised. It's It seems to be designed specifically for electric rather than glower gas as well. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it looks pretty nice. It's a red and white paint scheme. It looks relatively vibrant and hopefully the top and bottom are a little bit different. Okay. Is that some Clear windows or smoke windows. Turbo timber. I think they said the hatches on the top. Uh, does it come with floats or are those optional? I forgot what. Uh, I believe they're optional. Okay. So there's a float kit optional for it. Am um, I missing anything? Um, uh, four to six S batteries up to 7,000 milliamp hour. Uh, the picture shows it pretty. Oh, yeah. It's a two meter. I did quick calculations. That's just like an inch under 80 inches, basically. All right. So it's a pretty large aircraft. Uh, hmm, so but not giant be, scale. Not quite. Not technically not giant scale, but I think if you brought it to a giant scale, I don't think anybody would would sit there and say, "Hey, you are one point five inches too short. Be gone, heathen." Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> the picture is pretty big. This guy is standing next to it. So, um, so is it uh, exactly two meters? It says two meters. Yeah. Oh, I guess. Okay. I mean, check the check the stats. Uh, it looks like it's got plenty of power. It looks like uh, some guys doing. Rather aerobatics. If you are listening, watching, listening to this, we have some YouTube video of the, of the where you can go to their website and it shows them flying around a little bit, plugging the battery in, putting the canopy on, taxiing. This is the whole narration here. Taxiing some more in front of a pond, but no but with wheels and take off at about two feet. Yeah, with nice that, kind of, there's no sense of scale on it. So you really don't know that it's a two meter airplane. Yeah. yeah somebody standing next to it. Yeah, and that video looks like the tiny one. Yeah, looks like the tiny, but it's very sprightly. <laughs> Guys, are zipping around with it quite uh, tightly, yeah. and uh, playing with the uh, cat- cat- catastrophe there over the water with no floats. Uh, <laughs> thoughts, guys? Got big wheels too. It's not cheap. It is not cheap. It is not cheap. Not very really hard, I guess. Uh, I guess. Well, considering it's an ARF with all electronics. Oh, yeah, okay. So, let's, yeah. let's do the caveat. We're just saying it's out of our price range right now, but for what you get, that's probably exactly what the price should be. It's, it's a very yeah, big plane. It's got all the electronics. Uh, it's got that... Uh, what what the speed controller is in that bad boy? The 100 uh, I think amp. it's the 100 amp. So it's got 100 yeah. AVN, which is telemetry, so that's no snout, slouch. Yeah, they're all digital uh, Metal Gear servos. So, yeah, so they, it doesn't look like they skimped on anything. So um, before you pass out with Stick and Shock, realize it's basically a plane ready to go. And that's yeah. 
if you bought everything separately in the plane, you'd, you'd probably come out to the same amount, if not more. And here's this little special. If you pre-order now through January 25th, you get a coupon for 50% off a smart, a smart battery. Ooh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. So, so do they do have, do they say when they expect them? Uh, Next shipment is January, but it is January. Well, it just says. Oh, it says. I'm oh, just reading what I see. Can. So expect in February, early February. Okay. So, and I must be crazy or imagining things. I thought there was already like a giant scale timber, like gas powered thing. Is that a figment of my imagination? I'm drawing a blank. I don't think I so. Too. So this is the biggest one ever? I think so. Really? Okay. Larger how much, how much email are we going to get going? That's not true, guys. Yeah. <laughs> I was convinced when I saw this. I'm like, oh, they're like rebooting the big one, but maybe I'm afraid to type timber and then oh. I'll show discontinued. Maybe you're, you're thinking the Turbo Arbor. The what? <laughs> so here's one that's the Turbo Arbor. No, here we Arbor go. I think he's right. Tree. No, 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 right here. No, stop. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, the giant scale timber. Yeah. So oh, that's okay. a very Look how fast I fixed this for Terry. Terry. So yeah, it is not the largest. Largest electric one, maybe. This is a, the gasser. This is a Hangar 9. Inch. There you go. That's the difference. Yeah. The so previous timber was a 110-inch, 30 to 50 cc gasser. Uh, with yellow. Almost one with person next to it? Because that's how we're going to tell. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was a little bigger. Was. All right. So now here's the trick. Go back to that search you just did, showing discontinued. How many timber variants are there and have there been? And oh, is this maybe the why? Well, I, <laughs> I mean, it, that's it, a good thing for them. It's a strong performer, obviously, and pe- everybody I know that has one loves it. I've got several. Funny you mention that because um, uh, I'm doing a review on the twin timber, and I actually kind of did that and as part of the article. I wrote up, you know, wait, there's like the, the Timber X and the Timber and the Turbo Timber and the UMX Timber, the Night Timber the X. Tell me you did it with Bubba's voice. Timber, and I'm thinking about it. We, I think we have three timbers at our house, three different types of timbers. So I have, I love the Timber X. So I'm a big fan of this. I actually flew it a couple weeks ago. So big fan of that. I think um, Austin has, gosh, which one? I think he has a turbo timber, maybe the UMX turbo timber. I've got one of those, or maybe I've got two of them. And then yeah. I have this the regular UM not the not the regular, but the, I have the ear. I have the UMX timber that I oh, UMX timber. basically UMX put timber. together from pieces. But and there's flies. oh there's two different timber evolutions. There's a UX UMX timber evolution and there's also a, another regular timber evolution. Right. So I think we answered well. <laughs> but the, the answer I, is, <laughs> well <laughs> before the show started, numbers. I was telling Fitz that uh, I saw a, a, some people commenting when the release the release statement came out, and there was a uh, there's a little meme of this guy going like, "This is I hear a new plane's coming out," and then he's like, "This oh, it's another timber." Right. <laughs> yeah, so I get it, but again, I think they're popular. They're going to sell some of these, so they stick with a formula that works. Looks like it flies fantastic. All the timbers I've flown fly really, really good. So, hopefully, yeah. as in Big End, it flies just as well. All right. Yeah. Is that all we have to say about that? <laughs> That's all I got to say about that. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you get one, let us know. Share photos of it on our Facebook page. Yeah. 
All right. So I think next we want to say hello to our good buddy, Mean Joe Vermillion. He went in for an upgrade last week and uh, sounds like things are going well and he's recuperating um, above and ahead of schedule. So That's we're thinking good. about you, Joe, and hope you're feeling all right. Hopefully he's, uh, he's got the, the biotic implants are working well. Stay charged. <laughs> I've been taunting him this entire time through texts, and it's a lot of love, Joe. But Joe was a great guy. We uh, hung out with him at Joe Nall, and Fitz was, you know, he's always put in front of the camera. So I had uh, Joe and Fitz run amok at Joe Nall, and it was a great video. So I hope you guys go over to the Academy of Model Aeronautics YouTube channel and type that in, Joe Nall 2022, and and watch. It's a lot of fun. He knows his stuff. Yeah, yeah. It was great to walk around with him and talk airplanes. All right, so Lee, you're up, buddy. I'm up. Explain your hat. <laughs> As if it needs explaining. Someone likes P-38s. I don't know who. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> this was this was gifted to me by my buddy. <laughs> uh, Ryan picked this out for me at Wings Over Houston. So nice. the, it is nice. The icon on your hat reminds me, there was a, in the 80s, there was a video game. Um, 1942. 1942. Yes. <laughs> exactly. And what's funny is I, I came across a video of somebody's playing it on an old computer and he's flying around and there's several scenes where it's landing on an aircraft carrier. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, it's Wait reloading. a minute. <laughs> <laughs> just... That may have happened. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> Once. <laughs> well, at some point in the war, they were trying to uh, homogenize the fleet. And so they did trials of some Air Corps planes on carriers. So. There's pictures out there of P-51s and I think P-39s, maybe P-38s too. Uh, yeah, yeah. Very interesting tailhook situation for a P-38 though. Yeah, right. So, yeah. so let me uh, let me take my hat off just for a second because i got to show you something. Glacier girl. Uh-oh. So I you think I mentioned, <laughs> I mentioned this on the show, but uh, Lone Star Flight Museum had – Glacier Girl on display. For those of you who don't know, I'm about to give you a little story about it. And I had seen it <laughs> at the 2008 Wings Over Houston show with my four-year-old son, Austin, who famously had to go to the bathroom the moment it taxied out to fly. And I have these pictures from far, far away <laughs> when he's going to the potty because there were lines and it was just, you know, I always rubbed it in. I was like, son, you made me miss my chance to see Glacier Girl fly. But it's here, uh, Lewis Air Legend, now, Aris, excuse me, Lewis Air Legend, say that 10 times fast, now owns Glacier Girl. I think it's stationed in San Antonio, if I'm oh, really? if I'm great. Oh, really? So they say this is the first time Glacier Girl has been in a museum, not with Lewis Air Legends or not where it was being restored. So hmm. third-party museum. So it's been on display for a month. Funny enough, I'm going to jump ahead, although um, – I got to see it two weeks ago. Ryan got to go back for a scout trip that for an overnight trip. And so he was like very knowledgeable. He got to share you know, stories with the other scouts. And it's funny because when, when we picked him up, he's like, you know, that guy who was telling stories, he didn't know what he was talking about because <laughs> we actually heard it from the guy. Bob Carden was one of the members of the, um, the crew that dug up Glacier Girl from a glacier in Greenland. And I could do the whole story. It's going to take too long. So I'm just going to show these pictures and try to, try to talk to those who are listening. 
But uh, they should, <clears throat> excuse me, Lone Star Flight Museum put on a show. I think it was forty dollars a ticket. Well worth it. I think there was a lot out. of people there too. Wow. It was, yeah. there was a lot of people. They sold out, and we had a nice place to sit. Got a, got could hear him very well. He had a nice little slideshow. Guys, it was so much fun. I I knew about Glacier Girl, but I didn't know everything about Glacier Girl. And as much as I love P thirty eights, I would never tell someone I'm a historian. I do not know all the details. I know what most of the model numbers are, but it was very educational and inspiring because of. You know, here's the key item. They dug down 260 feet to get to Glacier Girl and then still had to dig around Glacier Girl to disassemble it and bring it back up. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> through ice, through ice in cold, Uphill, <laughs> with, both know, ways. with no McDonald's or Starbucks <laughs> waiting for them. And uh, I again, I cannot give this. Uh, speech, this presentation, justice. There is a video on YouTube you can go look up called "The Lost Squadron." I believe it was a PBS uh, special. So, but I'm pretty sure the whole video is available on YouTube at no charge. Please go watch it. You'll pretty much hear the same story we did, but it's just neat to hear it from the guy who was there. You know, to talk about the hardships, to talk about the night where eight foot drifts appeared outside their tents. Eight feet, guys. <laughs> and, and then they had to dig that out first. They had to get, dig themselves out before they could go uh, work on Glacier Girl. But wow. uh, for those of you who are listening, not viewing, please come watch the YouTube show. I'm showing some photos I took. These are also or will be available on our Facebook page. Uh, this is the part that gets me. You guys are just going to be astonished. Bob says that 80% of that aircraft is original. Huh. 80%. If you They'll saw it. Salvage that much? I mean, <laughs> gosh, I mean, I gotta, I, it's funny. I told the guys I didn't want to do over an hour show, but I'm going to probably spend 45 minutes here talking about Glacier Girl. <laughs> Speed oh, me up, guys. Real quick, um, looking at the intakes, this is an early model? This is an E, correct. Okay, it's yeah. The, the tag yeah. says F, but it's actually an, uh, an E or a late E with some F mods added to it. Oh, okay. And... If you see, pick, go, some of you may know this already, but if you go online and type Glacier Girl, you're going to see the first photos they took of it when it was under the ice and how much damage it had. But here is the part that I like and I'm going to show why this picture is unique. Just to think about how much pressure all that ice over the years, you know, it took them 50 years to get it out before they got it out, excuse me. And five of the original six blades are on that plane. Good. Wow. Yeah. And here's so, the cool part. This is the part that was unique. They said the reason they picked this P-38, by the way, go back a little bit. There were six P-38s and two B-17s that got lost in bad weather, ran out of fuel, had to land. The first pilot, a P-38 pilot, went to land to see how the conditions were. He had his gear down. He flipped over. He was okay. Uh, but his plane was destroyed. And so everybody else decided to gear up. The pilot of this plane was the only one who shut off his engines and feathered him before he landed. And he kept triggering him until the bottom two blades were spread out wide. So they didn't oh, sustain oh really any damage. Exactly. Clever. So yeah. when the crew went to go dig up these up, they knew exactly which P-38 they were going to go for. And it's this one. And by the way, the number of hours that this aircraft had in total was less than 100. Right. You know, so, because it was literally brand new when they were taking it to Europe. So oh, they oh. said, this is the one we're going to get, no doubt about it. And that's why this is the model they, they picked up. But just to think that 
five of those blades are flying <laughs> today after being in that ice and being under that pressure is amazing. Wow. And I hope they also, uh, x-rayed it and everything else to check for it. Oh, um, well, it took them 10 years to restore it. Oh, the okay. Both rudders were crushed and, and broken off. So, again, look at all the repair work that they did. Uh, but Bob Carden is here in the blue shirt. Very nice man. And, in fact, I have it here, but you'll see it in the end of my slideshow. Uh, after the presentation, I had him sign one of my P38 posters of Glacier Girl. Oh, nice. So that's him in front of it. This is just – guys, look at the interior work on that landing gear bay. That's Man, clean. that's like super clean. It's amazing. It's okay. Just... Dumb, dumb question. What's that in the middle of the of the cockpit module in the back? Terry, do you know? Does that pop yeah, out? It, it rises up, right? Uh, one of my plastic models had it. Yes. The antenna? Terry? Is that the no. antenna? Keep going. Y'all are close. Isn't there a ladder that comes down? Nope. That's the ladder. ladder. Okay. It pops up and around. All right. Pops well, up and around. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. We almost had to call Adam. <laughs> he's probably looking at all the stains going are those stains in the right place uh, not many okay, people so do no, this good this is interesting yeah go ahead you know, you have something i wanted to I, let people know who who like airplanes but maybe don't visit them very often i highly encourage you the next time you're at a museum or at an air show go under the elevator slash rudder and look for the uh, manufacturer stamp on it i do that all the time when i'm looking at aircraft just to see it so i grabbed this one and that's the original with inspector 1942 uh may, may see it says off. f but it but bob actually said it's an e e with a, so i'm looking at the screws interesting that some are recessed and some are not isn't that isn't i thought that was interesting too that's why i photographed yeah. it yeah it's, i wonder if the ones that are not are meant to be removed easily more easily removed for maintenance <laughs> or something so the tail can come off it just takes yeah. a Eight hours to do that <laughs> side. Eight hours to do the other side. This will do an electric drill for that one, or electric screwdriver. Yeah. So this photo nice is uh, from the back, and a nice wide shot of Glacier Girl. Now, and Lee, then, I think you need to clarify, because somebody's yeah. going to go to the Smithsonian, start crawling around under an airplane. <laughs> okay, please don't do that. <laughs> Call you for bail. If there's, a, if there's a velvet rope, do not cross the line. But you can see everybody had complete access to the... Glacier Girl. It was wow, great. so you can touch yeah, it, cool. and feel it, and yeah. smell it, and taste it. Now, nice. I don't know if Terry remembers, but this is a cutout from a Ghost Squadron calendar that mm. has been on my refrigerator for many, many years out in my workshop. Even when I lived at the other house, I've just okay. always left it on the refrigerator. And so I just, the day I was leaving, I said, like, I need to go grab that. So I just ripped the magnets off and, and he signed it for me. So that'll oh, nice. I might probably have to frame it now, right? Yeah, frame it with UV <laughs> yeah, protective uh, yeah. glass. So I, that, I'm going to try to wrap it up right there. Of course, if anybody has any questions, you can uh, contact at rcroundtable.com or go to our Facebook page, RC Roundtable. And uh, feel free to check. Uh, I, I know what I'll do. I'm going to probably put these photos in a gallery on our Facebook page, and then anybody can add comments and questions that they like, or especially if you have any experience seeing it fly. Speaking of... I talked to the curator, a new curator, Fitz, not the one we knew when we first went to Lone Star Flight Museum. And I asked him, do they know when it'll be taking off? So it'll, they said most likely at the end of this month. And mm. they said they would announce the takeoff on their Facebook page. So really? okay. crossing my fingers, I'll get to head out to Ellington and maybe get some shots and beg them to do a couple of flybys for us. No yeah, when you get information, let me know. I'm sorry. Oh, you bet. So they're not going to fly it during the month? No, no, it's only on static display. 
Okay. Did it have drip pans under the engines? It did. And, yeah, and, I saw them. And I have a photo of one of the drips that was, I thought, very. There's a stating. War paint. Yeah. <laughs> like a little vial, takes them home. Yeah. And I, was surprised. Like, I, I thought the radials, the uh, inlines didn't really leak that much. Everything leaks. Radio everything leaks. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, what are some takeaways? Uh, very nice. Uh, a lot of great questions people asked. I was able to ask the last question to Bob, which was the original pilot. I, for, for some reason, his name escapes me. But the original pilot, I asked if he survived the war or did he get to see Glacier Girl when they found it. And unfortunately, he died in 1980. Hmm. So he uh, wasn't around, unfortunately, when the plane was recovered. However, the guy who crash landed, the first P-38 that landed, was he was there... He was there on the ice when they pulled the last piece of Glacier Girl out. Wow. Nice. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I bet he was like, my plane's right over there. Just <laughs> He's like, I'm standing on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we got the equipment here. <laughs> yeah. Why don't you dig a little 100 yards to the left? Well, I again, I'm not the expert uh, historian here, so please go on YouTube or go on the Wikipedia page. And there's also a Lockheed P-38 Association. You can go read a lot of history of the Lockheed P-38. It's just I like the plane. Again, it's just more of a, you know, admire from afar. Only regret is they didn't open the cockpit because I would have loved to have sat in that thing. (laughs) So there you go. I've been uh, the book that I'm currently reading is a biography, autobiography by Robin Olds, who was a ace during World War II. And he was in the European theater, started out flying P-38s, which I think was kind of unusual because P-38s, they didn't use many of them over there because so much high altitude stuff. And I guess the cockpit heating left a lot to be desired. And so, yeah. Well, anyway, but, they quite a, a bunch in the beginning of the war. I thought they were, I think oh, they did. And then yeah, they transitioned range, to, range was a big deal. What you don't see right now are my photos of, uh, you know, low attacks. This one over here, again, it's called front row seats. These P-38s, you know, coming down low over this field. And this one's they're attacking trains because yeah. that was one thing they were very known, well known for is uh, hitting trains. Yeah. And he talks oh, yeah, about all the, in Europe. Like stuff in the nose. Yeah. 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 So it's a good book. It's called Fighter Pilot. And this is my second time reading it. And um, it, hmm. I'm enjoying it. And now uh, he wasn't in the Korean War. He was doing a bunch of other stuff in like North Africa. Um but he's in Vietnam flying F fours, and it's oh, a, wow. a big deal. So yeah, it's an interesting book. The guy did a lot of stuff, so I recommend it. Last fun tidbit: Bob shared us a video when they pulled the nose section out. They removed the guns and they fired them on the glacier with the ammunition that was still in the plane. Nice, wow, still good. <laughs> yes, <laughs> they shot a fifty-gallon drum. Or 55 pounds. Uh, is, is there one less polar bear in the world? <laughs> Don't move. Stay right there. Yeah. It's what's for dinner. <laughs> yeah. Really neat. So thanks, Bob, for sharing that story with us. And thanks, Lewis Air Legends, for keeping the dream alive. Yeah, I'm glad you were able to do that. Yeah. yeah. All right. Are we ready to move on? Yeah. All right. So in our last episode, I talked about my plans to attend the Beloit Swap Meet in Beloit, Wisconsin. And that was, was it last weekend? No, two weekends ago. Uh, I lose track of time. Two weekends ago. And there's a little bit of a story to go with it. The bottom line is I did go to the Swap Meet. Um, but 
my two of my kids were flying out to go back to school that same day. So I had a whole route planned. Um, I was going to drop my kids off at O'Hare Airport in Chicago, and then the swap meet's about an hour from that. And as things turned out, you know, we were supposed to leave at dark 30 in the morning and all day the day before, because one of my kids is notorious for being late for things and like saving the packing to the last minute. And so all day the day before, I'm like, all right, let's get packed. Let's check these things out, blah, blah, blah. Because here's when we got to be in the car driving out. So as uh, things unfolded, we're there the next morning and I, I was going to identify my, that child, but I'll keep them anonymous. They were ready only 15 minutes late, which is not too bad. But then I picked up the suitcase. I'm like, oh, this thing's heavy. And it was like 55 pounds. I'm like, oh, man. I, I don't know if they're good. Like, that's over. They're going to charge you for that. And so then we spent. Yeah. Anyway, so as it turned out, we ended up leaving like half an hour, 45 minutes late. Then we get outside and it had been snowing. And not just like a little sprinkle, but some pretty good snow. And we're leaving so early. We're beating all the plows. So even on the highway that had not been plowed yet. So where we'd normally be doing 70, 75 down the highway to Chicago, we're doing 45 and, and full pucker. So, um, we got all the way to Milwaukee before we got out of the snow and the, the icy stuff. Uh, so as it turned out, I arrived at the swap meet right at 11 o'clock and it started at eight that morning. And I walked in and literally I was like the salmon swimming upstream of all the people walking out. I, I <laughs> it was over it. by then. Uh, effectively. Yeah. There yeah. were still a lot of people there, but everybody was literally packing up and you know, the advertised time to end was noon, but really, I guess all the action had stopped. Um, so unfortunately I missed it. The good side of it. So I didn't buy anything with the swap meet, but um, I did see a lot of people. I know because I go to the event down there. So I know several people from that club including our buddy, Phil Hinkle, um, saw him, got to chat for a minute, and several other people caught up with them and looked around for a minute, looked at all the stuff people were putting back in their cars, uh, didn't see anything that I would die if I didn't take home. But from reports, this was their first annual swap meet. They said it was much busier than they expected, and they actually had to uh, – they ran out of tables. And so they're going to try to figure out something to accommodate that crowd for next year. And I will do my best to get there earlier next year so I can actually buy some stuff. But one of the main reasons for me going was to meet up with Ron from RC Plane Lab. Ron. Oh. Yeah. You're getting kind of chummy with him. Hey, you you and Ron are doing a lot of trades and deals. What's going on, man? I I don't know. <laughs> Wouldn't you like to know? Please so, tell us. <laughs> so when I forget how it all unfolded, but I got this giant glider. By the way, Ron tells his side of this story in their latest episode. <laughs> so I'll try not to rehash too much of what he says. I was going to say, what's your version of the story? Yeah, really? <laughs> well, this is like, who was that the- movie, Rush <laughs> yeah. Your side, their side, and the truth? No, I don't think I have any conflicting. Parties. Oh, that's not fun. <laughs> After wrestling around to the ground and taking my 50 bucks that right. he was hiding. <laughs> So I talked at some point last year about this giant glider that I picked up from an estate, another basement find. 
and I didn't plan on keeping it. And Ron wants to do this giant Aeroto event that they have down there at Eli Field in Illinois. And so we worked out a deal, a trade, where he gets that glider, and I picked out a couple of planes from his stash, and we put a date out there indefinite. We're going to meet up when it makes sense to meet up, and we'll do a swap. And he came up for Oshkosh last year, but he didn't have room in his car to take anything back. But I gave him a chance to check out the glider and look at it, make sure it's what he wanted. And so basically at that point, we shook on it, and it was a matter of just finding a time to get together. So when I saw this uh, Beloit swap meet pop up, it's almost exactly halfway between this, I think. It's five, or excuse me, three hours for me. I think it's three hours for him. I don't know. Um, so I packed that airplane in my car along with my kids and my kids' suitcases. Wow. I actually had, yeah, I had to buy. Duck me ahead. You're driving like this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like your boys on that drive back from Edgewater when they had, yeah. I went, I've got a tow hitch on my car. And I went and bought one of those luggage racks that goes in the receiver of a tow hitch. And thank goodness, because, yeah, without that. But then, of course, you know, it was snowing, so I had to, all the stuff back there, I had to wrap in garbage bags. Anyway, it all worked out. Um, so I met up with Ron, um, but also Dave from the podcast. Reggie was there. Uh, Dave's brother oh, old, was there. Yeah, was there. yeah. Uh, Tom was not there, though. So you guys have met Tom. I have yet to meet him. Is I'm assuming he's back. I know he was. Yeah, he's back in the country, but yeah. uh, he had work that weekend. So, so um, they were there. They had pretty much finished up what they were doing, but we did our swap of the planes in the parking lot. And then there was a lunch place right around the corner that was highly recommended. So we went there and had lunch, hung out for a bit. And then I hightailed it back to Green Bay. So it was not lost. I had... Ron and the crew not been there, and I showed up late. You know, as everybody was leaving, I would have been very mad at my child for for causing that delay. But as it worked out, it um, it was still a worthwhile trip. You ever learned to tell your kid the time? Like, wait, pat it. <laughs> no, there's a great episode of Everybody Loves Raven. My wife and I talk about this episode all the time. The, the ass in a- seat episode. The A I S ass in seat. And how did that work rec- out for Ray? Oh my gosh! I highly recommend you guys watch that episode. But it's but he was so right. <laughs> Even my wife <laughs> says, "Oh, he was right." <laughs> yeah, it's a slippery slope, and yeah. So my tactic for that was, like I said, the day before, I'm I'm coaching, right? I'm I'm building up the expectation, but yeah, it it didn't matter. So anyway, all's well that ends well. So I had a good trip, and I look forward to going back to that swap meet on time next year and seeing what they got and seeing how they plan to accommodate the the large crowd. And, you know, they're right on the Illinois border. So I assume they're drawing some people from Chicago. Speaking of not this coming weekend, but the one after there's a swap meet in Milwaukee, which I've heard draws a lot of uh, the Chicago crowd too. So I would like to go to that. I really don't know if I'm going to be able to yet. So, Chicago. We'll just have to what do you want to do in Chicago? We're, Sorry. We're not going to Chicago. Chicago's coming to you. Oh, okay. So Milwaukee is an hour north of Chicago. So. All right. So that was all I wanted to say about the Beloit swap meet. Oh, look, I'm on the next one. You want me to keep going? Or are you tired of my voice? No, go right ahead. 
All right. So although I did not buy anything at the swap meet, I did bring home two airplanes that I got from Ron. Um, I don't think we need to get into details with them. As I, I basically brought them in, uh, fondled them and looked at what was inside, and then I put them to the side to await their turn. They're basically ready mm-hmm. to fly, so they won't need much work, mostly cosmetic stuff. But as I get to them, I'll bring them up and we can talk about them on the show. They're neat airplanes. But I do have three, count them, one, two, three new items in my workshop. Are we going to see them or are you just going to If you ask nicely. Them? Please when, show us. <laughs> show us a damn airplane. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so one of them, like you, Fitz, you said you have a review. I also have a review. Uh, pardon me uh, while I whip this out. Give me right Yeah, whip this out. All right, let me give you let me give you the screen. It's, uh, All right. Uh, so this is the Tower Hobbies Sea Wind, which I think most people will recognize because it's a reboot. And I haven't quite figured out what all the differences are. It was originally introduced in 2016 under the FlyZone brand. And then I think when the whole Horizon Hobbyco merger happened, this is one that didn't survive. But now they've brought it back. And it's thankfully, it, one of the main differences I've noticed is that it has this paint job. I think the original was just white with a few stickers. This one's white and then painted right on the bottom with a few stickers, which is helpful for me because... It's a snowy wonderland up here. So um, I'm not able to fly off of water. So this bit of contrast when flying off the snow helps. All white airplanes are not fun to fly off the snow, typically. Um, so anyway, I test flew it this morning. In fact, it was, I went out twice. The first time it was nine degrees. The second time it was 12 degrees. But thankfully there was no wind. So yeah, it was quite tolerable. Um there, the place that I flew had a plowed road. So the first time, for those who don't know, this is an amphibian. It actually has retractable landing gear. Oh, that's nasty. It's a flying I don't boat. think yeah. I've ever noticed that. Yeah. So did there's, the original one have gear like that? Or? It did. Yep. Oh. So, yeah, nice. it's pretty interesting. For It's actually a pretty big size airplane. I think 57-inch wingspan. Oh, yeah. Um, and it is modeled after a full-scale plane. That I think was a kit and was going to go into production. It was not very successful, probably for financial reasons, but a neat looking airplane. Um, mm. So a floating hull and then the wind tips droop down and they become your tip floats. Yeah. Um, and then the high mounted tractor motor. So I have to ask, is there a noticeable thrust pitch coupling with that high mounted motor? I haven't flown it enough to really figure that out yet. The short answer is yes, especially... I did a couple stall turns. You go up vertical and then you punch it to kick the rotor over. Well, you, when you punch it, it just noses over. So oh, just, hmm. yeah. okay. I'm, I haven't tried yet to see if uh, mixing some elevator with that will lessen it. But, but yeah, there is some definitely some throttle pitch coupling there. When you're just flying normally, it doesn't seem that bad. But yeah, certainly... Big throttle changes at low speed, it has some effect. But I flew it off uh, the landing gear the first time off of the plowed road, and then two times off of the snow, just using the the hull. And it, it flew nicely. So uh, I just want to feel it out some more and get some video. And yeah, it's a fun little, uh, fun medium size airplane. What would, you, what would you rate it? It looks brand new, man. Uh, too soon to tell. Just, uh, I want to make sure that I, 
I'm not no, quoted on what. No, it looks it looks like it's in great shape. Yeah, it, it's a, like I said, a neat looking airplane, and there's no straight lines on it. So if this one were to be built in balsa, I mean, you have a pile of sawdust Just under the workbench. Clarify, that's a review model. This is a review model. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what battery is it used? A three cell twenty two hundred. Only three, only three cell. Yep. Interesting. So twenty two hundred. What's that? Did you say twenty two hundred? Yeah. Seems really small for a plane of that size. Right, but it balances. There's the way the battery area is. It it fits that, and there's nothing else. I sent you guys a picture the other day. Um, the difference in length of the smart battery versus the regular E Flight three cell twenty two hundred. Yeah. It's significant. It's, it's like half an inch or more. And so the smart battery just fits in here, and there's no adjustment in any direction. With the E Flight battery, you've got <laughs> no, just a little bit. Of, yeah, there's a little yeah. bit of wiggle room there, but. But it balances with those uh, in the battery bay, and it's – I forget how many amps it's pulling, but it's nothing crazy. I think the power loading's a little under 100. So it's not a crazy aerobat, but it, it's fine. We would have been happy to have this much power back in the brush leads. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I was kind of worried about this long cantilever that the motor's on, which is basically just a hunk of foam. But uh, why can't I do this? There we go. But, yeah, it doesn't seem to vibrate excessively or anything. It, it works out all right. Yeah, so far, my first impressions are good. I just want to feel it out and see how whatever quirks it has in the air and get comfortable with it. So so that's item number one, new in my workshop. Let me set it down before I break it. Okay, item number two came from, I'm going to give you one guess. Come on, Lee. It's Pittsburgh. Right no, not <laughs> <laughs> not the location i'm just trying to play the game okay. it came from ron how did i find it ron no no Facebook. not the person <laughs> yes thank you fitz <laughs> i was trying <laughs> Facebook hey. basement division. oh the market division the basement division is that what you said fitz yeah basement division yeah. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna come back to that <laughs> oh man uh, right. so it looks like a, is that a 12 you have, scale it's a car for those of you listening right this is a Fitz got it exactly right a 112 scale pan car wow uh, like calibrated eyeballs yeah. yeah but I don't recognize well, a chassis right I didn't have one of these when I was younger I did have a 12 scale car and I did a little bit of 12 scale parking lot racing but this is a Kyosho which right. the red shot gives it away a Kyosho plasma um, so Kyosho oh, was right. big into Twelve scale stuff for a while. They had four wheel drive twelve scale cars, like yeah, a lot of neat stuff. Okay. Anyway, I found this um, half an hour north of me. Some guy was selling it, and then I met up with his wife to buy it. She's like, "Yeah, I was cleaning out the house, and this stuff hasn't been touched in thirty years." And I told him he had to sell it. So I gotta, <laughs> I'm going to pretend to be Terry. He's like, "Did you hear that?" Someone's got an RC item in their hand. It goes right to Facebook Marketplace. I mean, how do you freaking do this? They just pop up. It's like a Facebook whisperer, man. That is your gift, man. Put that on your next resume. I called called Terry like last week and said, what... I said, I have to know what keywords are you using in searches. He's just like RC parts. And I type in RC parts and it's just nothing. That's it's like a, yeah. a pile of dog poo. You know, <laughs> that's what someone's selling. It says RC Cola, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no. We are, we are jealous of can, your talent. The only thing I can figure is that 
nobody in this area before I moved here had any interest in this stuff. So I just moved into an untapped market. I'm going to buy all the <laughs> stuff there is to buy, and then it's going to go dry. You're, you're like the Forrest Gump of shrimping after the storm. <laughs> How many <laughs> <just> times <laughs> are, are we going to reference Forrest Gump for every topic tonight? We should. That's our goal. We have to have some, some reference. All right. Go all back right. to your Kyosho awesome car. All right. So um, for those who aren't familiar with paying cards, it's basically just a piece of fiberglass sheet and some small foam wheels. Uh, this one was run on carpet. Um, it's dirty. Yeah. It, it, it's dusty. Yeah, it looks are, like it's been sitting in a garage for 30 years. There, there are RC cars specifically designed to run on a flat level surface and not anything near off-road or anything. In yep. Streets, for the most part. Very minimalist. Uh, they're yeah. You need to, I watched a video the other day and I need to link it. I'm sure there's lots out there, but video of these pan cars driving, it, they seem to defy physics, like whatever, how many G's they're pulling in those turns. And it's, yeah, I have to say, I don't remember the name of the hobby shop. Fitz, you might in, in Dallas, like off near the freeway. Was it Mike's hobby shop? I think that was Mike's. As a matter of fact. That had an indoor yeah. racetrack, an indoor yep, carpet yep. racetrack. It was an industrial area. Yeah. Do you remember the the little UMX? I'm going to say UMX. Before UMX planes, there was this the little Cessna Centurion, tiny foam plane, RC plane that came with a little black transmitter. I just remember going to this hobby shop to buy this little Centurion plane, and we walked over to see them racing those on the carpet. And Terry, you are spot on. How those guys could keep those cars from flying into the wall <laughs> and then just hug the rack. I mean, they were so fast. It's yeah, crazy. Like, yeah, 12 scales were really, qu really quick, too. Yeah, even back then. And now it's just yeah. lipos oh. and brushless. So I'm going to. Yeah, the original 12 scales, they ran like four cell batteries, remember correctly, right? Yeah, there were, I think, a four cell class and a six cell class. And, you know, yeah. This is a takeaway. But, I remember this. When I was there, they had all these tables lined up for these people. I lost Terry. Well, he's back. They had all these tables lined up because these people were all professionals. But I think we've touched upon this in way back episodes. But these guys had their soldering irons all on. And before they went to race, they would solder the battery directly yep, yep. They to the, the batteries controller to because the controller. they didn't yep. want any switches or anything. So you'd see them yep. all soldering. The smoke was coming up. And then they go straight to the track to race. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So Hardcore. That wasn't universal though. Like this one, for instance, there's a Tamiya plug between the speed control and the battery, and then another one between the motor and the speed control. Yeah, I saw that. That's yeah, that's not. Speaking good. of speed <laughs> controls, you see that? Is it the is real it, stat? Is it, it's a yeah, mechanical yeah, speed yeah, mechanical. control with a full size uh, standard Futaba servo, same on the steering, and then what a full size receiver. Well, would they actually race it, or was it just sort of a sport, just for? Nope, for they did own. race it. I did. Yep. Definitely raced it. Um, so as you can see, this is kind of dirty. Could use some cleanup. The tires are kind of thrashed. But with it yeah. came this tackle box that had parts and other things in it. Oh, and okay. so while this is dirty and a little bit beat up, everything in that box was pristine. It had been locked in that box for 30 years, sitting on a shelf. So it had the pistol grip transmitter, which was a Futaba, I think a Magnum Junior. No dust on right. it. It looked like it came right out of the original packaging. And so there's sets of wheels and tires in there. So when I get around to fixing this up, I'll put different wheels on it. Um, all sorts of neat stuff. But one of the neatest things I had to dig down, there's some folded up papers in there. And I pulled the papers out and read them. It was the rules for one of the racing classes. Um, the, the person used, there was a hobby shop in Milwaukee that had carpet track. It, that shop is still there. I forgot the name of it now. Uh, but that shop is still open. It sounds like they do off-road things now. This was, I found a receipt in there. What was the receipt for? Oh, man. There's a receipt for something. And I think the, the year was 1987. 
And, wow. and then there's a schedule for this racing place and then the, the rules for it. I thought that was really neat. And the paper looks brand new. It's, that's the kind of stuff that really, that's why I keep buying these things. It's like a time capsule. Exactly. It's what keeps sucking me back in. You're and, saving them. <laughs> and here's the thing that only occurred to me as we were getting ready to shoot here. So the body that was on it is this uh, old style Camaro body. Is that what it was? Okay, the angled lenses, yeah. But yeah. then I thought about it like, wait a minute. This was a contemporary Camaro when this was used. This was the latest, greatest Camaro design then. Oh, right, right. So, yeah, I want to say it looks a little short, too. I want to say they probably, like, it looks like it's, <laughs> it's a low rider. The nose, especially. I guess it's because it's squished. Well, yeah, yeah, it's got to fit on this thing. Yeah. I know, but just. <laughs> it's, Okay. All right, so that's the that's number one. That's the pan car. Yeah. Fun stuff. Um, it's going to cool, be a shelf cool. queen. Right. I'll clean it up and Aww. put some parts on it. And, yeah, yeah, it'll be fun. I don't know if yeah, I'm going to put a spe- an electronic speed controller, keep the mechanical, and I'll probably keep the mechanical. And it's just neat to look at. Yeah, imagine a twelve scale pan car. It's not going to be all that fun to run unless you got a really good surface somewhere to run it. Yeah, unless you have like black top on your street that's super smooth or yeah. or an actual track. Yeah, they're not very adaptable right so while we're on i'm I'm gonna interject here i think fitz and i could use your service how about you go facebook searching for us here and yeah yeah you just just do the searches and then just send us this a here go pick this up we're done well yes it would probably be needed i think lee can you pick this up for me no no. (laughs) the rule Uh, must be i have to have at least one (laughs) item in the pile. <laughs> All right. All right. I right, continue. But, Sorry. But honestly, I, there's nothing special about what I do. I really just think that I look for unique stuff and nobody's been buying that up here. So oh, maybe we'll algorithms see. like you or something or something. I don't know. One man's and trash is another man's treasure. Something like that. Really? Cause yeah, again, that person wasn't RC and then got out, but just happened to keep their stuff for all those years. Um, so this next one, I'll go ahead and tell the story behind it. This next one, the guy owns a, uh, I guess he doesn't own. He rents out a space at a local antique mall. So he's an antique dealer and he likes neon signs, fifties furniture, things like that. I know that because when I went to pick up this item, I had it in my hand. He's like, well, let me show you the other stuff I do. Let's go down to the basement. <laughs> Come down to the basement with me. <laughs> I thought of you guys, Ben. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, all right, if, if it comes down to it, I can whack him with this thing and, and run up the oh, stairs before, before I have to fetch the lotion. Man, I miss so, Yeah. <laughs> so, all right, this was just last week. And, uh, popped up on Facebook and immediately like I'm, I got to buy it. That's a good price offer right now. And well, let me just show you what it is. Ba-da-bum. Another RC car. Another RC car. Uh, looks vaguely familiar, but I can't quite. All right. So well, here, this is going to give it away. Do you see that? Uh, not really. It's got gas glow. Yeah, it's a, oh, glow. It's a, it's 12 glow. or 20? No, this is 10 scale. Okay, pull the body so off. Probably a 10 or 15 size engine. This is an OS 12 CV pull start. Yeah. So the truck itself is an RC10 GT. Ah, right, right, right. Yes. So team associated. You know, they had the RC10 buggy, blah, blah, blah. We've talked about 
Um, at some point, they introduced a glow-powered version, and then they introduced a glow-powered version of their RC10T truck. truck. And initially, yeah. it had, truck? yep, a glow-powered monster truck or stadium truck. Yeah. And initially, they used a revised version of their stamped aluminum chassis, the, the famous gold pan, although this one's black. But they made it narrower on one side to accommodate the, the engine and the exhaust. So it's almost like it's just chunked. Oh, it's, it's, it's asymmetrical, yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. So that's what this is. And this is the first variant of it. Eventually, they came out with kind of a flat, thicker aluminum chassis. Um, but this is an early version. And here's the really neat thing about it. And what I've learned recently in buying some old RC cars, it checks a lot of good boxes. So if you look at the bottom of this chassis, there are no scratches at all and nothing on the A-arms. It, all right. It appears that this thing <laughs> Terry is, went. this appears to be an an extra virgin version of the wow of the (laughs) of this truck and turnover yes so here's with that being the case that this truck has never been run there are a few discrepancies that make it not a complete fresh out of the box so one of those is the engine turns over you can pull on the pull start here and it turns over However, if you look at the exhaust, there's some goo coming out of the exhaust and mm. the carburetor is stuck. So the best I can tell, they ran the engine, maybe broke it in, but they never actually drove yeah. the thing around. Because if you drove this thing at all in your driveway, you're going to scratch up this kick-up plate in the front. Guaranteed yeah. the first time you try to drive it. I wonder if they never <laughs> he, was, got the he was driving what? it at his house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I also wonder if maybe they never got the engine running quite right. And so they so could be. Yeah. yeah, but I was surprised that it turned over, but it does. And the other thing is, it has, I don't know if these are team-associated wheels, but it has Duratrex tires in the front and back. The back ones are pins that are worn down, and one of them is yeah. actually like, ripped apart. So Whoa. I don't know if they just pulled tires off of another car and slapped on here. I'm not sure what's going on, but that is inconsistent with the rest of the car. Well, maybe they did run it. It just, they ran it, didn't do anything fancy with it. Just ran it in a parking lot or something. It didn't do any jumps, didn't hit anything. Just I can't nice. imagine running it hard enough to make the tires go bald and not scratching it. Like oh. anything, a pebble, like anything at all is going to scratch this thing up. And oh. I don't know. Uh, oh. I guess anything is plausible at this point, but my best guess is that they just put tires on from something else and, and never really ran it. Hmm. So... Anyway, and it's got the nice team-associated hard anodized shocks. It, another time capsule, right? And this thing is clean, like just absolutely clean. Other than these tires, I think it's all original parts. Um, yeah, just super duper excited to get it. And I got a really good price for it. Talking to the guy when I got there, that was one of those where I saw it. I sent him a message, said, I'll take it. Then he didn't respond until an hour or two later. Mm. And I forget how exactly it went down. Um, he said that I'm getting all kinds of messages on this thing. Uh, everybody's telling me it's way underpriced and uh, people want me to <laughs> ship it to California. I'm like, I'll be there. I'm on my way now. I'm, co- I'm coming cash in hand. <laughs> so, um, but he was very nice. I showed up and you know, gave him the cash and looked at it and it was exactly what I thought it was. And I was uh, tickled to have it, so tickled that I didn't mind going in his basement to check out the other stuff. He did have some neat stuff. That 50s furniture was really cool. Um, so, so, so now you, 
kind of got me jonesing for some old Kyosho, Kyosho and I think Kyosho made a whole bunch of gas-powered cars. Not necessarily racing cars, but just interesting things that were glow-powered. They did. They were, the Jeep and stuff. I think maybe I should look around so I can find some of that. Just, just that's, for novelty. that stuff is out there. And yeah. the more I've kind of delved into the fringes of it, I'm finding out all these things like the chassis scratches and all that. And then you start talking about RC tens and there's when people say Cadillac, I used to think Cadillac meant a nice version of something. No, apparently they had two addresses back in the day. One of them was on Cadillac Avenue. So if you had oh. this part, they could trace it back to the Cadillac plant rather than the <laughs> other one. Like people get well. really into the weeds with this thing. And my interest is not quite that level. I, I like the history of it, and for me, it's very nostalgic. But you know, I don't care that it's you know, 100% correct. And with this specifically, and unfortunately, he didn't have the transmitter for it. The receiver's on here, but he didn't have the transmitter, at least not handy. So that was fine. But I was never into glow cars. I've had one glow-powered car. It was an eight-scale Kyosho, and that was when I lived in Buffalo. And it was fun, but it wasn't. There was so much overhead to run it. I just didn't run it that much. And I ended up trading it for a uh, E-Flight Carbon Cub, which has been a lot of fun. So I don't have any personal connection with RC10 GT, but I instantly recognized it for the historical piece that it was. Mm. I didn't mention it. it was released in 1993. So this is a literally a 30-year-old car that's you know, just now coming to light. So I'm not quite sure what I'm going to do with it. I don't want to just flip it. Um, I don't even know what it's worth, but I don't want to just flip it and I don't know, get money for it because it's not the money that interests me. Maybe I can use it to trade for something that I am more interested in, or I don't know, maybe I'll I just, do. or maybe I'll warm up to this one specifically and want to put it in my stash. I'm not mm -hmm. sure, but currently I'm just happy to have it and stoked that I found it and was able to get it because I'm sure he was bombarded like completely. Some people, I don't know how we've talked about this before. I think some people have figured out a script that just scans Facebook marketplace for keywords and like they're on top of anything in the country as soon as Good it yeah. arrives. Instantly. Wow. Yeah. It seems that way anyhow. So Yeah, I kind of remember when you were talking about that. I've I've had several different glow powered cars throughout the years, decades. <laughs> uh and I've had a, a uh, I had a I mentioned Kyosho because I had a Kyosho when I had bought used for a little while, but when I got, I didn't realize I wasn't as experienced. It turned out the engine was really, really worn out on it. So it didn't really run all that well. And I had a one from Hobby Lobby. I think we mentioned it before, but a Hobby Lobby had a 20 size four wheel drive or the metal roll cage RC car that was built like a tank. That thing was just indestructible. Huh. Uh, and I don't have that anymore. And I also, I think either I had it or I, I think I had it, or I had played with them a lot. Q uh, Cox made an RC mm. car with an Lots. 049 engine. They, they had a bunch of them, and at the time, a hobby store I was working at sold them, and almost nobody could get them started. <laughs> so <laughs> they, would, they would come back and say, I can't get this thing started. So I'd go out there with them in the parking lot and get it started for them. Uh, and uh, that, that would be kind of neat to have one of those again, but I think it was a super collector's item now. Uh, but it would, and I have right now, I'm looking right at it, I have a, uh, a T Max. Hmm, it's, okay. Um, um, Traxxas. Yeah, I've got with a, a. Yeah, so this one is. It's got, I think it's got a 20, 21 size glow engine. I've mm -hmm. never run it. I got it in. I think I had it in a trade or something, 
And it's one of those back burner things. And one of these days I'll get a ticket out and clean it up and fix it up and yeah. run it. And I just never got around, haven't gotten around to it, but, uh, uh, hmm. but, it, but for nostalgia's sake, I, I think I'm going to go scarl the internet to see if I can find some of the little Kyosho ones. Cause they made some cool stuff. Yeah. They're out there for sure. And interestingly, Kyosho has done a lot of re-releases lately of their older stuff, some electric, and I believe there's some glow ones as well. So right. we talked before team associated did a re-release, a clear version of the RC 10 team. Losi did a mini version of the JRX two. Kyosho has done several of theirs. I think Tamiya has done some re-releases as well. So it, it's a legitimate thing now. This, I remember when I was a kid, probably even now, on a Sunday, you turn on half the cable channels and it's people fixing up old cars. Well, you get on YouTube, there's people fixing up old cars and there's an equal number of people fixing up old RC cars. It's kind of interesting mm. to see. So, yeah. yeah, I like watching Roadkill. Cindy doesn't there, get it, yeah, but I like yeah. Roadkill a lot. So. Yeah, so that's kind of my interest level. They don't care that it's a numbers matching engine or you know the paint code is correct. <laughs> hey, look but at that car of, in the junkyard. Let's make it move. <laughs> yeah, got a cool old car. That's kind of where I am with most of this stuff. That yeah, it's a neat old piece of history that I don't need to be perfect and under shiny lamps, but mm. uh, it's nice to have. Yeah. So I've done a lot of talking. But I, I think I covered everything that I wanted to cover. I got the Beloit swap meet and then my three new fun toys. Um, so unless you have questions, I'm all done. I think you answered all of them. But if, but for for those of you listening and watching, if you're looking for something, <laughs> call Terry. <laughs> Contact an RC roundtable. He will find it. It's magic. Sometimes there just aren't enough RC models, Jenna. <laughs> So we had to get the reference in there. So. I know. Right. I know. Yeah. Okay. So right, who wants to talk about this dreaded evil nonsense? F-R-I-D? That's the one. <laughs> That's the one. Fitz, do you want to take on Well, this? I can talk about, well, it's a short thing because I don't have a whole lot of stuff yet. But um, <laughs> mine finally came in. I had pre-ordered the RFID, the Spectrum version. Uh, which is the module we saw. I first saw this at Oshkosh last year, and it had a, one on display. And so I thought, well, it's pretty neat. Because it, it has a, a, if you run, fly on Spectrum radios, it actually can plug into the Spectrum data port and supposedly gives you extra data and telemetry stuff. And so it's not very big, uh, about the size of one of their four channel receivers or something like that. And at the time, we were, it was, possible that we would need to use these at our, our flying club. But fortunately, no uh, small thanks to Lee, we were not able to, we no longer need to have these at our flying field. But ironically, I may still need to use it because we recently found a place that we may be able to do some nice float flying uh, in, the, in our area. And of course, it's not a Freya, so we may need, I may need to use it anyways to do some float flying. Uh, so I have not had a chance to use it. I'm just still in the package. I have not a chance to even do anything with it. I think Lee, I think your son has, has one that he's been playing with. Yeah. I'm going to show you right now. <clears throat> Excuse me. Let me bring the, uh, <coughs> pardon me. That what Fitz was saying reminded me of something. Um, what was that thing? Oh gosh. The dozer where the guy went and ruined the town. <laughs> oh yeah. The kill dozer. 
Killed, yeah, a dozer so, or a tank? Because I think we've had a, a guy in a tank too. No, there's a guy who bought a bulldozer and like put sheet metal all around. He made it a tank, basically. Okay, the, that's what I meant. Yeah. The people on the town council kept screwing with him about zoning or something. So I've seen memes about that, like uh, somebody selling one of those on Facebook Marketplace. Uh, the, the the city board finally came to their senses. No longer need my last year gain. So as, <laughs> as Fitz was talking about getting the free, I can see. Yeah. The JCRC well, club selling their killdozer. Unfortunately, and Fitz was mentioning my son, he flies at a field in Florida that has been denied a Freya twice. So we're still fighting for him because they're, as you can see on the ground there, they, they're actually on a runway. Uh, it's a Deland Airport. Deland RC, yep, in Florida, Daytona. And they have been there forever since ever, I was a yeah, kid. 30 plus I, years, I think. So just the FAA, for some reason, just don't like the fact that there are planes on a runway <laughs> that don't have passengers <laughs> in them, <laughs> that aren't paying taxes. I don't know what it is. So he, I, I purchased two Spectrum Sky modules back when they were called uh, Sky ID, I think, before they had to change the name. So that oh, was they, back in August. They changed the name? Yeah, it used to be Sky ID. They what had, is it now? Sky. Just yeah. Huh. The that? module formerly known as Sky ID. Sky ID, yeah. And so I bought two, one for me, one for him. He took it. Of course, he's a he's a gadget guy, so he played with it. And here is something I will tell you that you can do with these modules. Uh first off, this is in his Aero Scout. He basically he plugged this into the bind port of this receiver. And I don't have the specs, but what my son told me is that the there are I don't know certain receivers that have a data port on the bind port and some don't so don't think that you can plug it into any receiver with a bind port you may have to do the research on that but in this case the bind port does have a way for the SkyD to broadcast telemetry back to his DX9 and what does he like to do how fast does my 4S Aeroscat go <laughs> and the answer is 80 <laughs> miles an hour <laughs> and he, and it also data logs, so he was able to do a GPS oh. track of his flight. So there is some fun to be had uh, with the module, so I will not deny that. I mean, I will play with that myself. But uh, he who shall not be named, and it wasn't my son, has <laughs> sent me this. <laughs> I'm not sure I sent this to you guys. But all you have to do is make sure that light comes on, and technically <clears throat> you're good to go. And so I just, I love that. I laughed so hard when my friend told me that. So uh, that's exactly true. It, it, and this is how easy it is to put it in your plane, guys. And so I'm not promoting it. I don't like this. Nobody does. But if not you everybody have... can see this. What, the Come text? On. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was completely oblivious to what For... you were saying. It's right there, Terry. It's a picture of the Sky ID module plugged in. The little orange light is on. And it says, when the light is lit, we don't give an <laughs> so... <laughs> And some don't give with or without the light or the module. Exactly. Yeah. No kidding. So choose your uh, own adventure. So now, right now, the module's back up to hundred bucks. That is awful. You know, we were promised fifty dollars modules. We didn't get that. And I feel for anybody who has to buy one of these if you're flying in a location that may be questionable, meaning you're not on private property in the middle of nowhere where you're not going to give any. And we'll have to beep that, I guess. I think the uh, the flight test one is a hundred bucks as well, right? Um, I, I looked at it recently. I want to say it was the same. I just don't think anything is fifty, and if it is under right. fifty, it may not be fifty dollars worth of investment. And 
with the fact that the sky module provides some telemetry, I mean, there, there's a benefit, I guess. And uh, one thing I also wanted to add is that um, – let me share another screen here. This is – who's playing TV in the background, Fitz? Not me. I've got Jerry? faucets and walking above me. So, <laughs> so uh, I asked Austin, what app does he use to make sure that the device is working? Like, can he actually detect it? And there are two, one's by DJI, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, gosh. Do you remember what the name of it is? Drone something. Um, this one's this is Drone Scanner. This is the one that Austin chose to use. And he sent me a couple of screenshots, and it does provide you with this information. It detects a remote ID module nearby and, and sends you the serial number, but there's no way for it to reference back to FAA's database. So some people were asking how much data will a Karen be able to get? Well, none really. I see Terry giving me a face. I'm not sure. Are no, you I'm just question? giving you my full attention. Oh, okay. what was the name of it again? Drone scanner? Or drone this is drone scanner. Now the reviews are horrible, <laughs> by the way, and <laughs> I'm sure some of these are based on people who don't want to even use it. But I'm just sharing that Austin has played with this app. He says it, it's functioning. The limitation has been, though, his phone, which is an iPhone 11, uh, only about 300 feet is when he can get a signal. Oh, wow. And he, even at 300 feet, he says it's very degraded. So he has to be flying pretty close to maintain connection with the remote ID. And that's assuming a perfect location for the remote ID module that's not blocked by anything. So it makes me wonder what the feds and... Who else is, what kind of device are they using to track if they're tracking? That's a, boy, that's another day for drinking alcohol and, and bashing the whole law enforcement portion of the process. Yeah, I'm looking it up, and yeah, it's got a lot of bad reviews, but it may be an issue with the DJI drone. Oh, okay. Well, then the DJI. Specifically. Uh, um, I'm looking this up for, so we're live recording. Uh, drone RAD app. I'll just type that and put DJI in here. Uh, so drone scanner is the one, and I'm trying to see if I can quickly find what the DJI is. Hmm, I don't see it. Hmm. I don't know, but your son's usually pretty keen on this kind of stuff, so he says just the one to go uh, with, probably a good well, and I'm sorry, I, I, drone tag. I think that's the other one. Uh, I think drone hmm. tag is uh, DJI's app. Let me confirm. I know that Tom Blakeney is playing with them. So, hmm. yeah, I meant to play around a little bit. I just been so busy with other stuff. I haven't had a chance to take it out of the package. Okay, drone but, uh, tag mini add-on device re offers remote ID compliance for drones. Um, I am not sure. I'm sorry, I wasn't quite prepared for that. All I had was the drone scanner app to talk about but you can go look online guys and i think it's called remote id uh the title of the thread is on rc groups and you can go research that i have not dug into anything recent because we we're kind of hoping that the first phase of remote id modules you know the really bad ones would be wiped out and then we'd be stuck with maybe four or five really good ones but quite frankly mm. i have not been talking to many people the good news is a lot of the clubs i fly at have in fact received their freea so it, at this point, it's just going to be something for me to play with, and I'll be happy to report back after I get my hands on it. And I'm sure Fitz will, too, when he opens his package, which he's doing right now. He's plugging it in. <laughs> <Look at> it. 
And, and you know what? And here we go again. So those of you who are listening or watching, if you have feedback, go to our Facebook page or email I us. Look at our work on tanks. <laughs> That's what you should do. Boy, that plate's flying real low. <laughs> uh, contact at rcroundtable.com. Facebook, look up RC Roundtable. Please let us know. Feel free to give us your feedback on that. 300 feet, huh? That was it. It's what he said. It's almost as if this device has limited practical application for what they're trying to do. All right. I don't, I don't want to be a naysayer. I'm not going to open up a huge can of worms. And Terry, I'm going to ask you to rope me back if I get too far. But let's talk about the receiving equipment. Let's say a law enforcement might use. Do you well, would you assume that the FAA or law enforcement, and we know that NASA does this, they have devices that are detecting some type of frequency. We know they do that at NASA for DJI transmissions. But do you think that they, they would have something like that? Let's say specifically around federal property or sporting events, stuff where there's already a TFR. I think, you know, yeah, oh. for agencies that are specifically tasked to manage air type things, they probably have equipment for that. But for your average law enforcement officer, I, I'm guessing here, but I don't think they're going to have any special equipment for that. They're going to have okay. their iPhone, whatever, their Android, whatever. Hmm. Great point. So this is great. I'm, I'm hoping other people listening will tune into this because I think you're absolutely right. Unless for it's a specific location, I don't. I think they're going to have the same tool we have, and they're going to be told, "Well, use this app." And they're like, "I don't have time to, to use this drone scanner app to find out what Bobby Joe's flying right here." <laughs> and this goes to the little conversation I had with you guys about Austin Scooter and his Air Tag. How far do Air Tags get detected? You know, they're GPS, aren't they? Well, you have to be near yeah, another but they iPhone. Yes. Yeah, so they you have, it has to find another iPhone for it to be pinged or to receive its location. So how far can you how far away can you be from a, a drone uh, an Apple AirTag before it picks you up? Well, I can tell you from inside my house, I can't see the one that's near my car. So I have to be pretty much right on my car for it to sense it. So again, oh. it goes to the same thing about remote ID. How how effective are these things? And Maybe we're not talking about it because we know it's less than 300 feet and we're trying to point out how insane this is. And, you know, we'll never have some aircraft, some private pilot pulling up his drone scanner app while he's flying, looking for a, a remote ID module is 300 feet away from him. Well, no, they're not meant for that. They told, isn't, I, isn't that the I know that, but people, <laughs> someone had said to me the other day, he says, well, aren't pilots using these apps to detect model airplanes? I'm like, absolutely not. And no, so I was just no. in my head going, can you imagine a guy pilot? No, no drone. <laughs> no drone. <laughs> <laughs> like you fly an airplane like this. I don't know what I'm thinking. My miming here is horrible. <laughs> and then at 300 feet, it would be, I think that's a whap. <laughs> Exactly. Well, you know, and, and we talked about the helicopter crash. I mean, it was the guy was under 200 feet. Yeah. And my favorite, um, <laughs> my favorite comment someone said was, or because I was telling somebody about how the guy didn't have a spotter. That was one of the comments. This guy was flying part one of seven alone. It's like, fine, but let's assume he had a spotter. The spotter is going to be standing right next to him. And here's what the, the spotter is going to say. I think your hel that helicopter just hit your drone. <laughs> you have two pairs Thanks, of eyes at the same location. <laughs> the, the depth is completely off. So I think a visual observer would have maybe said, "Well, there's a helicopter there. I, I think you'll. I think he's going to miss you." Whack. So what's the solution to integrate the two? If remote ID isn't and visual observers aren't, that's all you have, right? Yeah. 
I would have argued that visual observers, while imperfect, I think that's your your best bet. And no BLOV or BVOL, excuse me. Let's not go down that because that's kind of a depressing path because, wow. And slightly related to that, I saw news that they're prosecuting some dude who hit a – what did he do? Did he hit a helicopter? No, that's what I was talking about. The the guy Not the one in Daytona. No, there was somebody else. I think it was in California. Or maybe it was the guy who flew over the Super Bowl. Oh, that would have been in Miami. There were well, the two of them. Oh. I know. Okay, oh. sorry. Go. I've been reading a couple. One was, I think one was a guy at the Super Bowl when it was in Miami. And another one was in California. He heard a fire truck go somewhere in his neighborhood. So he took off his drone to, to or maybe it was cops. Anyway, he took off his drone to go find out what's going on. And they had called in a helicopter as backup. Oh, that's not Oh, weird. man. And I think on that one, it sounded weird to me because they said it hit the bottom of the helicopter. And apparently it did a lot of damage. <laughs> huh? But how, how the heck do you hit the bottom of a helicopter with all that downwash? But anyway, I, I don't oh, question yeah. it. I just wonder how the physics of that happened. So anyway, but I'm glad they're prosecuting the guy for being a dumbass. Well, the guy, I think we mentioned this, the guy who flew over that football game, they stopped the game for like 20 minutes. You know, they were able to follow him. They probably didn't have an app on it. They, they just probably watched it and they arrested him. But he, and I think the comment or report was he had just bought it the day before. Yeah. <laughs> Lovely. So, well, he just got it. <laughs> so, and I'm all for those guys feeling the wrath of being dumb. And maybe if enough of those happen, then all this other stuff becomes moot. Which it's moot anyway, just because it doesn't make any sense. But maybe they would actually have some impact on dumb people doing dumb things with GPS guided drones if they actually prosecute more people. Uh, yeah. Speaking of prosecute more people, can I just share some news that just came across the news with my buddies while I'm here? This means Go nothing ahead. to those of you listening and watching. Austin got his scooter back. Oh, oh right. So oh, the police, fantastic. the police, the police found it. Tell the background on that then. Amazing. Uh, it is. And we've been, and it has been tense because it's crap. But uh, yeah, last night my son's electric scooter was stolen at college at Embry Riddle. And he was in a class and he had parked it. And I don't know if, I mean, locking is questionable because I, uh, someone a couple of weeks ago had their stolen, the lock was broken or cut off. So uh, mm-hmm. it happens. And thieves came on the campus and stole a scooter and he had an air tag on it. So and it wasn't uh, students? We don't know. I, I oh, haven't okay. talked. We don't know what the police report is. So I'm, I'm, this is just coming in. Uh, Austin's texting me right now. Um, they He just texted me. They're pressing charges. Okay. So there's, there's stuff going on here. Maybe maybe they found more than one scooter at this guy's place. So maybe Austin broke a, a theft ring. Who knows? Well, when you say they are pressing charges, the police are or you are? Uh, Austin. Okay, He's good. You should. Charges. He yeah. should, absolutely. So he had it stolen. Uh, he was at class. He came out. It was gone. He had his air tag. And we were talking about this. Uh, the air tag pained when it was leaving. And he didn't know that until, you know, after he was out of class. So it had been moving. And then it pained last night near an apartment complex. But it was just too big. And that was the that's the issue I was talking about. We can kind of re- relate the two, remote ID and air tags. But where do you, how far do you have to be to pick it? But the if you've ever used Find My, and if you have an Apple mm-hmm. air tag, you know it starts with a huge wide excuse me, range and it narrows down if it's tighter, but only because someone with an Apple device is hearing it. (laughs) Basically, I'm here. Here's my coordinates. You can use multiple devices to triangulate on it. 
I don't That's fully understand cool. how that works. It pings off any Apple device yes. that's close by? Mm-hmm. Oh, all right. So maybe they stole an iPhone too. Well, and I'll um, give you an example. My trailer has an AirTag on it. And every now and then I'm looking at it, it says, hasn't moved for five hours. And then all of a sudden it'll say, last seen nine minutes ago. And it's possibly because someone driving in within the storage facility has an iPhone and my AirTag yeah. detects it and sends me the coordinates. So that's, that's helpful. It doesn't really tell you much more than that. So, but as I said, it gave us a coordinate last night, but then for the past 10 hours, it hadn't updated until before the show. Uh, he said it was moving. And so it, he, he got in his car with his friend and they kind of went closer to where it might have been. And then they noticed the circle getting smaller and smaller and finally called the police because he already had a report. So, mm-hmm. uh, oh, so police, he said, I found it. Or He um, said, basically, I think I know where it is now. And the police showed up and, um, they, you know, I made sure I said, do not get out of your car. <laughs> Just And they did. Yeah. He said they, they went in and handled it and they, he left and then they came to see him and dropped off the scooter and they're pressing nice. So a couple of things is, did he have, did he get one ping? They had a general idea where it was. Yes. And he was able to go to that area and then, okay. Mm-hmm. And now his I phone didn't it. detect it. Like I said, that's what I'm saying. It's like he yeah. only went there to just see if he, if it was on the ground or something like that, but it still was in a pretty wide, let's say hundred feet you know, radius. Yeah. So it was not very close, but he had, he, Oh, this is the cool thing. I'm <laughs> PSA folks. If you use air tags and you're looking for something, you can give your air tag serial number to another person via, I like a text message. And then their find my will pick up your device temporarily. You basically can give them access on a temporary basis. He gave oh, okay. the police officer the temporary access to his air tag. So then the officer most likely walked around the location and was able to be within a hundred feet or so, or not a hundred feet, but a, you know, very close so distance. Apparently the thief didn't realize there was an air tag on it or in it. And now that is another interesting thing. Has, have either of you ever had, do you have iPhones? I know Fitz, you I don't know. No, I don't. I have an iPhone. Never so had if, an you're, tag. if you're ever near an air tag, that's following you. Like if you're, if you're holding someone's bag and it has an air tag in it, then your phone will actually say, Hey, there's an air tag nearby. Letting yeah. you know there's one. So if oh. these people had an iPhone, they may have known it was, and maybe they just didn't know where it was or they didn't care. And so mm. it should have alerted them because that's one of those things that they've been asked to do, I guess, to keep stalkers from, boy, we're going down a real alley here. Let's get back to RC. The good news is if you have, if you have an RC trailer or if you have an RC transmitter case or, and you, you know, the air tag could help you find it. So I'm going to promote an air tag oh. and say, guys, consider getting one. Or put in your airplane, I guess. If you got a big airplane that can fly away, you could. But guess what? If you crash in the grass in a huge field, unless there's an iPhone out there, <laughs> it's going to stay <laughs> out there. <laughs> so, dumb question. I've heard about the air tags. I don't know much about them. They have a battery in them. They do. It's a little lithium battery. Okay, you and can, it runs. You, is it chargeable or is it just one of those coin batteries? I think it's one of the coin batteries. Okay, and it just runs for a couple of years off of a battery yeah. or something like Gosh, that. I don't know what the time is. Maybe five years. Mm, kind of like a, interesting. So it's a very, very little amount of power, just kind of a, yeah, what do you call it? It's a like very a just, low duty cycle. And if, and if I'm completely wrong, you guys are welcome to send an email to Terry right. at contact at rcroundtable.com. But I will say in this instance, it appears that the AirTag has in fact found his scooter. He says it is uh, it's badly damaged, but rideable. Oh. Uh, so they probably around. Good on him for putting an AirTag on it. That's Well, you're, pretty, that's me for Christmas. Oh. I gave him an AirTag. Oh, stick it on there. Hey, so it's only been on there a couple of weeks? Uh, no, I take that back. 
It wasn't. No, I gave it to. I think I gave it to him when he got it. So never mind. Uh, it's still that was good thinking. And so <laughs> it's funny because yeah. I remember telling him, if we have to get you another scooter, you have to add the cost of another AirTag. <laughs> so <laughs> I I was making him do some math, but uh, okay, I, I really went too far on this. But thank you guys for listening uh, for the show. But again, is uh, I wanted to let my friends know because this is a this is our show. It's we just get to have fun and chat, and it was something that was been on my mind. And again, maybe for you guys out there who have you know. RC parts or things you need to, if you're having problems and you're mis- losing your stuff, <laughs> consider buying an Apple AirTag. As for the remote ID, I do have one. I'm going to encourage you to get one just so you can play with it. Because as Fitz mentioned, we do have a couple of clubs that will not get a Freya. And some of them are float fly locations. And mm-hmm. so this is a pretty darn simple way because the last thing we want are our friends to not fly because they're not in a Freya. Like, I don't like the government. I don't want them knowing, but you know what? It's just stick it in there and we can have other conversations about other ways of activating a remote ID, you know? So, you know, it's convenient and I'll just leave it at that. Uh, While we're but, building the killdozer, we'll use remote ID. <laughs> you know, they did. Well, you can have the plane on the ground right in front of you. I don't know. We'll, we'll again, I'm trying not to be bad, but it's, it will help you so you can go fly and, and keep flying. Don't uh, don't let this this strange government regulation shut you down. Speaking of government shutdown, <laughs> you know we got one looming here, and someone has asked, you know, if, if the uh, government actually shuts down again in the next week or two, I guess do do they extend the their remote ID enforcement? Probably again? not. Probably I doubt it. not. Yeah. I would have mentioned. I want to assume so. Yeah, because they weren't actually working on things, right? They were just waiting for production to catch up, so people actually had them in hand. So, so I, like we're behind on their paperwork. I'm with you 100%. I'm just going to say the same thing. I seriously doubt they're going to make any other changes. They're going to start coming at you. But and I don't want to spend too much time on this. So my question to you is, what type of enforcement will they use against us if you're flying outside of Freya without a remote ID? I don't know. My best guess is they won't unless somebody reports it. That's probably in a practical sense. Or is that the leverage they have? If you're doing something dumb and then they've got leverage to to prosecute or... Right, right, yeah. Or of course you're flying over a government facility, of course, if I get immediately... Right. Well, how about this? PSA for those of you listening to our show, we hope you're all law-abiding. Do not fly over federal property. Do not fly in controlled airspace at an airport near helicopters. (laughs) And please, please, please do not fly over a TFR or in a TFR. Don't be stupid. Don't do do that. Use before you fly app or use a UAS. um, (laughs) Simpler than that. Don't fly over people, houses, cars, roads. You just imagine if your plane can fall out of the sky at any second, what's below it that you don't want to damage. Just don't fly. Terry can get you into cars. <laughs> I heard trains are fun this time of year. <laughs> oh, and boats. Terry, well, that's what, so that's true. It's like Fitz does boats. Terry does cars. What am I going to do? Scooters, <laughs> electric scooters. scooters yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, we're, we're close to the end of the show. It's been great. And thank you guys what? for letting me. We are. Cause I want, Our list is still this long. We got three more things to talk about. This is the wrap-up sequence. So let's start with Fitz on the next item. He's done. Look at him yawning. And remember, Fitz, this will oh, not no. air until after you come back. So. so you're listening to this. I am talking about a future event that I just went to. 
Like, <laughs> it was awesome. I bought Lee lots of things for a dollar. Please extend it. I found a I found an RCGF 35, 30 twin for Lee for ten bucks. <laughs> well, speaking of ever. buying, this is as you probably didn't realize swap meet season. So I am yeah. planning on going to a swap meet. It's actually tomorrow and Saturday, but uh, I'm a working stiff. I got meeting meeting a Palooza tomorrow, so I won't be able to go tomorrow. Oh, somebody's going to uh, get all the good stuff. I yeah. know, I know, I know. Mutter, mutter, mutter and tutter. Uh, so, uh, and it's like, it's like there's some sort of special meeting tomorrow, too. I really got to attend. Uh, so anyway, so I'll be there Saturday uh, morning, bright and early. It's a, it's a weird thing because I'm going to go out. It's Georgetown. Georgetown, the Gamma, right? Georgetown Air Model, whatever. Air Model Association. Association. Yeah. In Texas. In Texas. Georgetown, Texas. The flyer um, is on our Facebook page. Go to our go to RC Brown table yes. and look up events. It's generally a pretty nice swap meet indoors. And uh, uh, we're going to meet up with some old buddies there and exchange some stuff. And I'm also on our way back going to swing by the Museum of the American GI because they're having a plastic model event there. Where's uh, that? And that is right outside of College Station. Huh. I don't think so, I've ever heard of that. Me neither. Uh, it's pretty neat. I was there last year. Was it last year or year before? And it's a private collection of of U.S. Army stuff. A lot of it includes tanks that actually run, dating yeah. back to World War One. Uh, and it's a neat little museum. And they open it up and let the models come in and set up booths and tables and some vendors. And it's not a huge event, but it's nice. For what it is, it's actually really quite nice. And it's it's all centered on armor, so I don't expect to see much for airplanes there or, or cars. It's mainly tanks and armored vehicles as far as the model subjects, specifically. They call it Winter Blitz. Uh, but this, what's there is nice, and it's neat to see the actual stuff. They do have a couple of things. They have a, a drone from, like, the 1940s, like World War II era or, or just after. Like When drones were real drone. drones. <laughs> well, yeah, if you ever seen the famous picture of Marilyn Monroe before she was Marilyn Monroe, yeah. and she's working on a little drone engine kind of thing, yeah. it looks just like that. And uh, they have a, 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 a Bell helicopter, I believe it's a Cobra, but it's an unusual version, variant of the Cobra. It's got a weird gun on it. I can't remember exactly what it was. It's like a four-barreled gun on a, on a turret. <laughs> it's a cannon. Really unusual. Yeah. <laughs> and they got uh, uh, period uniforms and stuff. You can see uniforms from the, the, the GIs and soldiers and, and naval people wore and, and had air and wars. And, and um, they have other stuff outside just hanging around vehicles. Uh, hopefully, I was told, we'll see, but I think the, um, the RC tank guys may be showing up as well, doing some stuff. So anyway, so I'm going to have a pretty busy day on Saturday, so hopefully we'll see what kind of stuff I can find at Georgetown and, and on the way back, hit up the plastic model stuff. And uh, Lee, you've got something coming up too in your club, right? I do. I wanted to say I normally go to Georgetown with Fitz. I can't this weekend. My son's got some stuff to do, so I apologize. Can't be out there. I've had some fun times with Fitz out there. Still, I think I mentioned last time he raised his hand and won something. I was like, yeah. Be, be careful, Fitz. my head or something. Yeah. Hands <laughs> in pocket. Hands in pockets. Uh, but uh, guys, if you hopefully if you're out there, go, go hang out with Fitz and remind Fitz to do some live uh, feeds while he's out there for us. Uh, I'd Oh, Terry, yes. Allow me to interject. As you talked about that uh, museum, it reminded me that when I was working at NASA, there was a guy I worked with who was involved with 
restoring old armored vehicles. And he was either somehow involved with or owned, I think it was a Stuart tank and maybe it had a radial engine in it. So anyway, but he had was somehow involved with this operable World War II tank. So I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if he's part of that organization. Anyway, that popped in my head. Small world, maybe. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> go look for look out for fits there. Uh, I wanted you guys to know that our club, Northwest Houston RC, will have their swap meet and Warbird Fun Fly. We're trying something a little different this year. We're going to try to get things kicked off earlier uh, for Houston as far as fly-ins. Uh, February, we're crossing our fingers for good weather. It is Texas. It is. So we're hopeful. The odds are for are in our favor. But that's February 24th. And I think tables are $5. And if you want to fly, the fee is $20. But we have great food. We have a guy out there who's like every weekend cooking up something. He's a really good chef. And uh, the Warbird Fun Fly, you know, let's have fun, guys. Bring them all out there. I will be there. So uh, if you get a chance to put that on your schedule, come out and hang with us. And our, again, the flyer is on our Facebook page. Does your chef also fly? He does. He, in fact, he had one of those brand new twin otters from Flex Innovation. Oh, nice. We had a nice, oh. we had our meeting last weekend. He and I talked about it for a long time. So he also has a couple of twin otters in his truck. So, you know, the, the E-Flight one. So he <laughs> praised it. So well, maybe, maybe I'll get my hands on it. We'll see. It's not a warbird, but <laughs> he might bring it. At one of my the clubs I was in in Buffalo, we had a guy who always manned the grill. I mean, if there was more than two people out there, he'd fire up the grill and cook something. Always really good <laughs> stuff. Nice. But, and like meetings, whatever, he was always manning the grill. I don't think I ever saw him fly an airplane. Oh, which, no. Our guy but, does both. <laughs> no knock against him. He fed yeah. us, but yeah, I just thought it was interesting. Yeah, so I promise there'll be good food. So hope to see you guys out there at our swap meet next month. I'll try to make it again. Definitely. And Terry, you got one. I do. So my club, the Green Bay Model Airplane Club, we're hosting our annual swap meet on February, I believe it's the 4th, Sunday, because up here we do swap meets on Sunday and, you know, it works out pretty well. So seven in the morning, it's in Denmark, Wisconsin, which is half an hour south of Green Bay. So hopefully that gets some people from Milwaukee and uh, Sheboygan to come up and, and see. Last year was our first one and we had a good turnout. So we're hoping to have the same this year. It's right off the highway, right off Interstate 43. So it's on our Facebook page. All the details are there. Check it out. Come see us. If you're looking to sell RC cars, go find Terry. <laughs> Take him straight to Terry. <laughs> he seems to be in the mood for them. I, Yeah, I don't know what it is. <laughs> All right. Well, Fitz, can you take us home, buddy? Well, he's All got right, one well. more thing, right? Oh, he does? Yeah. Five star review. Oh, I'm sorry. There is one more. But what was oh. my little painter? I don't know what I it is. Could, I could probably wait. Uh, I'll, I'll just real quickly. I did have a chance to look at uh, our some of our um, pages on. It was either iTunes or the other one. Um, uh, Spotify. Spotify. Spotify, thank you. Uh, and some people are leaving us reviews. So thank you very much. We got some five star reviews within the last couple of months. What is it a topic? For us, yeah. I'm confused. Huh. All right. Yeah. So, so thank you for doing that. I saw one. I, maybe we'll talk about it later. He was asking about. Uh, he said he really liked the show, but he was wondering if we would uh, at some point talk more about building kits. And I thought that was interesting. Oh, but, that's sweet. Well, so, if you watch Hobby View, yes, <laughs> yes. He, he'll spend two hours building something for you. <laughs> <laughs> and so also, we feel, 
Oh, go ahead. We, we built kits in the past. We had a three view of the, uh, the electric cub and some other stuff and leaves building gliders and stuff. So we do occasionally talk about building kits. So we'll try to keep that in mind for the future to talk more about that kind of stuff. Yeah, let's do that. But also related to that, um, Dubro has been doing a masterclass series lately. Oh, that's right. Uh, yeah. With our buddy Josh Orchard, and they're going through building a couple of old school model works. I think they're minuet kits. One glow, one electric. So that's do that a good way to... Every other Monday, right? Or something like that? I think it started that way, and then there was maybe a gap because of the holidays. But uh, as far as I know, they're going to get back on that every other week schedule. I think it's Monday nights. Check yeah. the Dubro. Uh, I think they have one this past Monday, so maybe another two weeks they'll have another one. Yeah. yeah. So there's that. So that's cool. And speaking of Spotify, I I don't know what the fix is, but apparently our last episode is only half an hour long on Spotify. We don't know why. Oh, I, <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't fix? I, I haven't messed with it since oh. that day. I looked at <laughs> no, our speed file. No one said anything. <laughs> no. <laughs> So for everybody out there, we're kind of in a bubble because we get in our routine and we don't necessarily know what to look for. If you see something wrong or hear something wrong with an episode and whatever player or aggregator you use, let us know because we're probably not aware of it and we've got to figure out how to fix it. Yeah, because normally things have been running great until that last you know time yeah. we lost two or three episodes on Spotify. Right. And that was my fault. We figured out that problem and fixed it. But this one, I, I don't know. Maybe we need to contact the Spotify customer service again. And keep sending your emails to us. Contact at rcroundtable.com if there are other topics such as building scratch kits and so forth. Uh, let us know. We, we need to start doing that, especially if there's a model you want us to review. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you. We had one guy message us. We helped, speaking of swap meets, helped him find a swap meet in his area. He was under some uh, financial strain and say, Hey, where can we find something cheap? And he wasn't aware that there's swap meet pretty much right in his area coming up. So by all means, talk to us. Maybe we can help. Yep. All right. I think we're done. All right. On that note, another very fine episode of Zirasi Roundtable has been concluded. <laughs> Magnifique. <laughs> Thank everybody for listening and watching as well we really appreciate your patronage and uh without any further ado guys have a nice warm holiday and we will see you next time wait 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 wait. what holiday weekend okay uh, sorry brain brain said weekend mouth said holiday yeah all right well and, and valentine's I, day is coming up it's probably <laughs> yeah that buy your buy your wife <laughs> <laughs> a nice <laughs> go to the swap meets and buy her something nice all right i'm sorry i got my brain brain function you're already uh, at the swap meet in your head yeah i'm at the swap meet so anyways peace out bye please visit our website at rcroundtable.com that's where you will find all of our podcast episodes you can also find a little bit of background information about the show host and leave comments and suggestions about the show. There are links to a few of our favorite vendors and also links to our various social media accounts. Thank you for watching and listening.